Welcome to another post-game edition of Boilers Extra, the podcast that keeps coming back after every game. That's why it's called the post-game edition. I'm Mike Carmen, Nathan Baird, uh, fresh, af- fresh off the Purdue win over Nebraska at Memorial Stadium, 42-28. Uh, just to let you know that we are driving back to, to Lincoln and recording this at the same time. We're driving back to Omaha, Omaha from Lincoln. Sorry. Yeah. Boilers, boilers on the go, or, or, or boilers extra on the go. Try <laughs> boilers after dark on the go, and Nathan has now seen his first runs of store. I am. I'm seeing it right now, actually, as we're at this intersection. So I'm not. It's too late to actually go. So I'm gonna have to wait until basketball season to have my first runs of it. And we are safe. I'm driving and I'm safe, or I'm trying to be at least. Anyway, we're here to recap Purdue's second straight win and. Uh, lady in the car. My wife will not like that. <laughs> That's the computerized woman who's okay. getting us back to I don't need Omaha, her direct I, I don't need her directions going. anymore. I know where I'm going. All right. All right. I'm I'm a typical old man. I'm not stopping to ask directions. Anyway, yeah. Purdue won 42-28 at Nebraska uh, today. You know, kind of a historic win for the program. Uh, they've never won here before. Uh, and you beat you know, they beat I'll just say this. They didn't beat the program. They beat the team. And, you know, Nebraska's just not a very good team right now. And Purdue exploited uh, a lot of their, their bad, uh, took advantage of, you know, a program in transition, uh, a program that probably hit rock bottom again today, losing to Purdue. Uh, but I thought Purdue was there to, to take advantage of it. Uh, they capitalized on all those silly penalties. Those are the same penalties that Purdue had the first three weeks uh, oh, yeah. of the year. So it, it, it kind of comes comes around full circle uh, for them. But it's their second straight win. It's a win they needed to stay on the path, to try to get to six wins. And now you have a week off uh, before you go to Illinois, a game you're going to be favored to win. And... That's that's where they're at right now. They're two and three, and you know, almost recovered from that zero and three start. Yeah, it was really kind of jarring how much a lot of what happened to Nebraska today mirrored what was happening to Purdue in those first games. And it was, I mean, the timing of some of those penalties that, that were coming on third and long, and they were extending Purdue drives, the personal fouls, the pass interference just coming at the worst possible times. Not a lot of turnovers for Nebraska, but certainly one at a crucial time. Uh, you know, it, it was just, it was a team creating its own adversity and a team taking advantage of that. And Purdue had been on the opposite side of that for really the first three weeks, certainly at least two of those games. And now it was on, you know, it was the one taking advantage of it. I agree with you that this doesn't, you know, push Purdue past Nebraska in the totality of college football. But certainly right now, I mean, Purdue had the better collection of football talent today. Purdue had better football players today, has better football players right now at this juncture. And I think, you know, for this year it's big just because Purdue proved it can go on the road to a place where there's 89,000 people. And uh, not everything went right for them either. I mean, you know, Nebraska marched right down the field to start the game, and it looked like this was going to be one of those Missouri games just back and forth and the score didn't end up getting up there but then you went for a long stretch where Purdue really had Nebraska kind of held down and really probably should have been up by more at halftime it was 20 to seven and a half probably could have been you know at least one of those 
drives, if you extended it, you know, turned a field goal into a touchdown, then you're really talking about starting to put some distance. So I thought it was still, regardless of where Nebraska is right now, I thought it was an important win for Purdue, not just in the juncture of this season, because they're at a point where they have to win all of these games other than those big three and then uh, just to give themselves a chance. But it, it's big for the program still. I know I know Nebraska's down. still big for Purdue to go into Nebraska and win. I, I don't think that's setting a low bar just because Nebraska is down. I, I think it, it's it's still a reality that, you know, you remember during the Daryl Hazel era, this wasn't a team that went on the road in the Big Ten and won a lot. Uh, it's still not easy to do that, even against some of the, the lesser teams in the Big Ten West. And in order to stay up in the Big Ten West, they're going to have to start doing this more consistently. They've got to come back here in two years and find a way to do it again. And, and the guys who are on this team that will still be playing in two years, this can pay some dividends in the future. By the way, we just passed a uh, Nebraska highway truck that had its snow blade out. That's not a good sign. That's not a promising sign in, in, in September. Maybe they just put them on. This just is the show? time of the year they put them on just to maybe scare people. I, they're I don't know. To, they're, maybe they're headed over to Scott Frost's house. <laughs> to barricade him in. But, yeah, no, it's, you know, but if, if these are games that Purdue's going to expect uh, itself to win as you as we get deeper in the Jeff Brom era. Uh, you're going to be expected to go on the road and win a game like this. You're going to be expected to go uh, to, to all the other places in the Big Ten West and, and win a game like that. I mean, they, they go last year to Iowa and win, although it's not the same Iowa team. They still went on the road and won that game uh, last year. So this win carries a lot of weight, and it it's another step. Or I think it shows people that, okay, this team – there, there's a there's a big hope for this team to, to make something out of this season after an 0-3 start when it looked pretty bleak, especially with the schedule that was coming up. Uh, and they were able, you know, to, to really uh, they didn't dominate the game because the numbers don't tell you that. But you know, they're up 20 points at one time. They're up 21 points twice. Yeah. In the third quarter, you know, Nebraska got its mojo going on offense and was running downhill and. You know, Purdue was just trying to keep up. I, you know, I thought you know, once they got into the fourth quarter, Purdue was just trying to survive and get out of there with the win. But to me, one of the, the most uh, impressive things about today and a step that really needed to be taken was the offense kept answering. The offense kept every time, you know, when Nebraska scored, the offense came back and scored. Uh, and that's, I think that's something over the last three weeks that we've seen from the offense that you know, Jeff Brom has said they were going to be more aggressive, and they, and they have been. They're pushing the ball down the field. They're mixing in uh, a few more runs. They're just they're just not settling uh, for what they have. And even you know, I felt Jeff got too aggressive there when they're trying to hold on to a 14-point lead and I he's agree. throwing deep deep passes there. Yeah, you have to play smart. Uh, but I, I think this team has now adopted what he wants to do from an offensive standpoint and. Even defensively, too, Marcus Bailey shared uh, a, a scene on the on the sideline where Jeff Brom was yelling at Nick Holt to keep being aggressive, keep green, being aggressive. So I think the whole team has adopted that, and if they continue on that way, they're going to hey they're going to be in every game, and they're also going to give themselves a chance to win uh, to win the games they need to win, but also 
potentially surprise one of those other teams that they, they won't be favored to, to win in the second half of the season. You do sort of have this thing looming in the back of your mind that when is the game going to come where Jeff Brom costs himself by being so aggressive in the passing game at all costs. I mean, it just does seem to be so baked into his soul. Like, he's just, he wants to throw the ball. And I, I, and, and there, was a, there was a play there when Purdue was, you know, they're up 14 with eight minutes to go. Trying to kind of salt away a win, and they throw in second and third down. And in one of those third downs, I think it was Terry Wright. I want maybe I don't want to get that wrong. But somebody dropped a pass that would have been a first down, I think, for third down or on third down. But it's that's why you don't throw the ball there because it could be something go wrong where it's an incompletion. No, that was and to Zico. There was Zico, okay. and then uh, Terry had a chance in the end zone on one of the deep okay. passes to put another touchdown on the board. But you but don't yeah. want to think about right. Zico where right. it, was, it was a big right. third down. They right. needed. You felt like they needed to get that to to run some more time and kind of zap Nebraska's energy there, but he just he flat out dropped it. It was a good pass by Blau. I mean, it, it worked out, but it easily might not have if, if you well, know, another one, team if, right. with, with a different talent level. If Nebraska makes one other stop, it changes the, the clock complexion at the end of that game. We're splitting hairs a little bit, but it is something I think to just to kind of put in the back of your mind. And I wonder how he, when he goes back and looks at film, I assume that every coach probably does their own kind of self-assessment. I wonder if under the same circumstances he might approach that a little bit differently. But I also feel like, and I understand why he would feel like this, they're in the position they're in because they have, and it goes back to the Missouri game, they they, they decided they're going to go down swinging. And that's what they've been doing. And, and it, it almost worked that day. Certainly worked against Boston College. And it worked again today. So I, I see where he's going at, you know, wanting to keep your foot on the gas. I, I just feel like um, there's probably some, some prudence that would go into that to, to, to ease off a little bit. And especially because the running game has been performing well. I mean, I think the offensive line has actually done a decent job. Uh, you know, Nebraska's obviously not a great defense right now. But the, the, the offensive line is holding up, and they're they're running the ball well. D.J. Knox had a good game. Markel Jones had some nice runs. And I think you can you can trust those guys and put the game on their shoulders a little bit down the stretch. Uh, be creative with your running game. You don't, don't have to just be – doesn't just have to be a veer, a dive into the line. But you'll be creative with it, but you you just control the clock so much more, obviously. Well, the one the one on big ground. play is when Blau just took the ball and ran to the left to gain 14 yep. yards on a third down. Yeah. That extended the extended the drive and extended the extended the clock another two minutes or so, and kind of you you got the sense at that point they were really ready to put that game away, and so they they have some other options in the running game. But you know, you go back to the Boston College, he he did taper back in that game. In part because he, he really knew the defense uh, had had Boston College in a headlock. Yes, but I think in this game he was generally concerned that his his defense it was starting to get away from him a little bit. Yeah, I see that. that. He yeah. wants to. That makes sense. He wants to, you know, one more touchdown might do it type right. of type right. of thing. And but all that takes is a pick six going the other way. Yeah. I do think the situation each situation is going to be different. Uh, you know, if they get ahead at Illinois. Uh, in two weeks, I think he'll approach that game differently than he approached this game, assuming that they're able to, to, to keep Illinois uh, in, in, in check. Uh, I really thought a key stretch was in the game was, number one, after Nebraska scored, 
know, Purdue came right back down and scored in six plays. But from that point, uh, Purdue's defense wouldn't let Nebraska really do anything. And that in that fourth down stop, when yeah. Nebraska decided to go for it uh, in Purdue territory, and Anthony Watts made that tackle, I think it was on Greg Bell, I believe, and then Purdue was able to turn that into points. I got a sense things were starting to shift right then, and Purdue's defense was getting its uh, its feet under itself, and the offense was was doing some some really good things right then. Yeah, and you know, I, I as people may know who read us, I do the grading the Boilers piece that posts right after the game, and that's always a very um, kind of almost stream of consciousness thing that gets posted and uh especially in games that are going a little bit back and forth and i think i gave the defense a d plus i think i would probably give them closer to a b plus at halftime so i think the actual grade if i were to had a second shot at it would probably be somewhere in between closer to a a bad c not that what i what what grade i give them means anything but I, i think i i probably looked at the yardage and how it got away at times for you know there was a stretch there where Nebraska scored on three straight series at a time when Purdue desperately needed a stop and could have really put the game away there especially when they were you know they had, Nebraska had scored on two straight drives well then Purdue answers on that drive that gets extended by the the uh, roughing the passer on third on a third and twenty incompletion goes in and scores a touchdown and then Nebraska scores right again and like right there it seemed like they were just they could not hold on to that that three touchdown lead Nebraska was always going to be able to keep cutting into it so anyway yeah I, I agree though I mean when they had to make plays late in the game they made them I thought Joe Shopper uh, one of those things that obviously gets overlooked sometimes but uh, punting with the wind there in the fourth quarter kept you know kept making Nebraska have to go the length of the field or you know make really long drives and when when seconds can be an eternity sometimes in a close game and they never it never got to that point but partially because he was forcing them to use a lot of clock to be able to get down the field yeah you know the defense you know obviously had some issues there but you know they got a turnover uh Simeon Smiley got an interception and then they were able to get a couple stops on downs late in the game to you know I, I had tweeted out that you know Purdue's clinging to a 14-point lead and someone responded it's like well you don't think of a 14-point lead as clinging but as you're sitting there watching that unfold it was it was borderline I mean it could have yeah, gone it, it really could like have that. gone either way yeah if Nebraska yeah you had the feeling if Nebraska got that game to a seven-point game uh yeah the fans that had stuck around which I, I said uh I thought fans just stuck around to boo the officials knowing the game was over anyway but those that that were still in attendance really would have gotten the game and Purdue would have faced a really pressure situation to try to to try to run out the clock but you know I I still think we see steps being made by by this team and in in particular uh you know the defense I mean I think the linebackers continue to play well They, they seem to you know Martinez is a tough quarterback uh, to get a handle on because he can run, but he also had a lot of time to throw today. Uh, and but Purdue was just rushing forward in those instances. But as the game went game went on, I thought Holt dialed up. He was probably just said, "Screw it, let's 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 well, them keep blitzing." Yeah, and, and just rattle them and do do whatever do whatever they can to to get some pressure on the guy. There was a uh, in the first half. There was the the series where Purdue kind of had Nebraska pinned a little bit, and they brought it on third down and nearly got a safety out of it and, and forced Nebraska to punt. And then I thought Rondell Moore made a poor decision calling for a fair catch when he had a, 
a chance to, to gain some yardage. I actually don't remember what ended up resulting out of, of that end series, but but I, I do think Purdue is it's still picking its spots with the the blitz, but it's it is bringing it's doing it more and it's it's they're coming in smart times of the game, smart junctures of the game, and I think you're going to see more of that too. I will say, you know, the one thing that I think again and looking in the in the big picture for Purdue as a program right now relative to Nebraska as a program right now you know this is the second win in four years for Purdue and they almost had one last year but the one four years in 2005 Nebraska turned the ball over five times in Ross 8 Stadium oh, today 2015 they, or 2015 yeah I'm sorry uh they turned the ball over five times in Ross 8 Stadium and Purdue squeaked out a win they today commit 136 yards worth of penalties and and uh, that definitely had a you know they gave Purdue six first downs of penalties I think the next step will be when Nebraska starts to come back and where is Purdue at, at, at that juncture and can it go out on a day where Nebraska isn't shooting itself in the foot and exert its or exert itself then you know be the dominant team be the better team that day that still hasn't happened um, and that that is kind of that next step it, but that's that's beyond this year for this year it's more can this game be an experience that Purdue feeds off of when it has to play a Michigan State or a Wisconsin does it or, or an Iowa does it you know is there something residual from a game like this that it can use to win a game like that yeah I mean I and I you know I think that because I, you know, I saw some people on social media, you know, saying, well, you know, if they hadn't, hadn't lost those first three games, or they'd won one or two of those first three games, uh, where they would be right now, I, I think they are where they yeah. should be. I, I think they're they are two and three team. You know, people say, well, they're, they're the best two and three team in the country, or they're better than their record, and they are playing better than a what you would consider a two and three team. But I, I'm not sure they're at this point being able to win this game on the road if they didn't start the year 0-3. I, I just don't I, I don't think that. I just don't think that. I think your record is your record for a reason. And uh, Purdue can pick itself up and get to 500 in two weeks. But I, I'm not sure even, you know, if they pull out the Eastern Michigan game, you know, I, they, they still have a good chance to win today, but I'm not yeah. sure they're as hungry as they were coming into this game and coming off the win over Boston College. Uh, I, I just think things in sports usually happen for a reason, and this is the reason. And, you know, if Purdue can get itself back to 500, uh, you know, that'll be a reason, and then you're going to have a really – I think you have a confident football team now, but if they hit that stretch with Ohio State Michigan State, I think you're going to see a really confident team similar to the one they, they had last year, especially early in the year. You know, I think if Purdue had won the Eastern Michigan game in the way that it lost the Eastern Michigan game, if that makes sense, if they had made the extra point and then won in overtime or just barely won on a field goal or something like that, I think they, it, you still would have seen that same um, – going going forward, you still would have seen the same self-assessment from them and probably some similar improvements because they would have known that the way they played was bad enough to lose even if they had won. Uh, maybe if they had just gone out and won it outright maybe that have had a different um, outcome but I also know that the way that they played against Eastern Michigan might not have been probably wouldn't have been good enough to win today no uh, th this was a, a better football team today than the one that, that lost that game so yeah I think you're, you're seeing growth um, and uh, you know David Blau is a big part of that we haven't really talked 
that much about him, but um, it, it's kind of interesting how this is all sort of coming into maybe the fitting in for his career. You know, he's had the ups and downs and the injury that ended last year, and that opened the door for Elijah Sindelar. And, uh, but now, I mean, this is it. He kind of, he said it again today. He's like, I, you know, I don't have a whole lot of time left here. You know, my days are short. I can't remember how he said it. My days are numbered. It sounds more ominous than he means it. But um, his days as a Purdue college football player are short, and he's getting to sort of enjoy uh, maybe a, 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 the, the, the fitting culmination of he's going to be, you know, below that tier of of great quarterbacks at Purdue, the cradle of quarterback kind of talents at Purdue, but he can still have a say in, in what this program becomes in the next few years going forward, potentially by what happens here, I think, down the stretch. Well, he can write his own chapter to his to his legacy. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and at Purdue, when you if you're a quarterback and you have a legacy, that's that's a good thing. I mean, that, that, Absolutely, that, that yeah. just is. And he can also, as you mentioned, he can help write another chapter in Brahms' tenure here by taking a team that started 0 and 3, and just by chance, by a by a tweak of Elijah Sindelar, was able to step into the Missouri game. And do what he did, and that has carried over. And Brom is—he is the first to say it. He, I think sometimes he goes overboard by blame, blaming himself, but I think fans appreciate that more than the other way, where coaches take no responsibility right. and blame everything on the players. But Jeff is always quick to say, "Hey, it was my fault." The way that happened against Eastern Michigan, and he was determined to change it, and he has—he has. He has uh, if he could get his 2004 Honda Accord <laughs> up to 100 mile an hour on the freeway, I mean that's kind of his foot on the pedal right now with uh, with this offense. Yeah, and so now I want to see what this team does with a bye week, which is coming up the week ahead before they then go to Illinois, and that's a you know not to not to to uh, plagiarize. Scott Frost, but that's a winnable game for Purdue. Uh, it's a winnable game for everybody in the Big Ten right now. And I don't think, think, I don't think Jeff Brown's going to say that. Uh, no, I don't <laughs> believe he will. But I think Illinois probably also, as I've said all along, probably still sees a somewhat vulnerable Purdue team coming in in a number of ways. And I think that is the other thing you come out of here today with. Okay, two and three. You're seeing this team, again, try to bring itself out of the hole it dug to start. But the slim margin for error is still there. And there are, you know, would today have been a good enough effort to beat Iowa, even at home, uh, when Iowa's playing well? Is it good enough to beat Minnesota if, if you go up there and Minnesota plays one of its better games? Purdue still has things it has to do to get better. It needs to shore up on defense. There were some really sloppy tackling. Some old just, they weren't tackling in, in for significant stretches of this game, I thought. Um, and Nebraska is a worse matchup for them defensively than Boston College was. But there's more teams out there kind of right now that look like Nebraska than there are that look like Boston College. And Purdue's got to find a way to, to solve that better than they for 60 minutes than they did today. Oh, no question. You know, just a couple offensive notes. The running game was solid with Markell and, and DJ. I think they combined for over 130 or close to 140 yards. They, they got three touchdowns. And, you know, Knox's 42-yard run to cap the first drive really uh, – I thought delivered a pretty good message and, uh, and gave them confidence that they could they could move the ball on the ground. And it's not really 
a surprise because last year they, they rushed for 199 yards against Nebraska. So, and it was basically the same the same guys on the defense, a different scheme, but a, a, the same guys. Uh, so they, they did well in that area, and you know I, I thought that they uh, thought they were looking for the tight ends more uh, today. Uh, you know, and, and, and Jeff mentioned it in his post game uh, press conference that you know that Nebraska was double teaming Rondell all all day long, and that that creates uh, openings for for everyone else. And I tried to write that story, you know, coming into the game, just having having a Rondell Moore on your team or having the Rondell Moore on your team, how much it, it helps you uh, in your game, in your play calling and in your game planning and your uh, and just going deeper into your playbook uh, to, to have that guy and what he can what what he can do for himself, but also for what he does for everyone else. And there were opportunities for the outside receivers to make more plays than what they did, but that, that'll be another day for another day, but also I did like the tight ends getting involved, uh, uh, especially in the red zone. I thought, yeah. you know, the 12-yard pass to Bryson Hopkins, uh, I don't know if you remember it or not, but I think Markel Jones went out on a real wheel route. Yeah, it looked like a, a wheel a, or a throwback screen or something. was. And he took there, he yeah. took a defender with him, and then Hopkins was able just to yeah. get near the middle of the field. I do remember. That was a great play design. Yeah, and then uh, he was able to get in the end zone. Uh, and, I, you know, I, I think you know, they've had some red zone struggles this year uh, as far as scoring touchdowns is concerned. And I, you know, I think using the tight end more in the red zone will, will help alleviate some of those problems. Uh, but, you know, I, that, I'm just a guy sitting in the press box. Uh, well, yeah, I, I, I would like to see them use the tight ends more than that fade route that they've been running for. Yeah. Just, I, I don't know what they're trying to accomplish there. I think that'll be a great route someday when... Uh, if you get David Bell, yeah, I was about to say, yeah, when you got Jack Plummer throwing to tall wide receivers, tall strapping wide receivers, they don't got that guy right now, and they don't get that quarterback right now in some ways. And um, that's, I, 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 I maybe it's, I, you know, sometimes it's a chess match. Maybe that sets up something else, but they do it so often that I think they really think it's just gonna work. And it, I, the only time it's worked that I can remember so far is the Jared Sparks touchdown that wasn't a touchdown. So right, uh, no, I, I I thought they were doing it too much, especially at the time of the game that they were doing it. Yeah, because uh, you were ahead and you didn't. I, I think Jeff felt he needed more points, but I, I thought there was a better way to, to potentially get in the end zone instead of trying to. You know, I know he's he's he wants to to get his receivers to win those one-on-one matchups. They do it every day in practice. They really do. And he wants his guys to do that. But that's something that we didn't see it pay off today. But as you get deeper in the season, maybe it does pay off like it did in the bowl game last year with Anthony Mahungu. Yeah, you know, and you mentioned Rondell Moore, and I just wanted to point out that I was critical of him some some ways today. I thought he made some poor decisions on special teams. But that... Just a, a simple little thing he did today where it was a, a, just a little swing pass that generally that's a play that maybe goes for a yard. The typical receiver that Purdue has had for the whole time I've been watching Purdue, the typical slot guy, I mean, they're just not – number one, they don't have his speed to get to the edge. And, and number two, once they then make contact happens – they can't stand up to it the way that he can. And he got, I think, four yards out of that play when it should have been one or zero or maybe a loss. 
uh, just little things like that. I mean, he had, I think it was eight catches for 85 yards, but it sure seemed like he did a whole lot more than that today. And I think that's a testament both to his talent to sometimes turn a little bit of nothing into something, but also a testament to Nebraska, the job they did kind of keeping him bottled up a little bit considering how often Purdue was targeting him, but they, they definitely paid a price for it in other ways. Right, and I, I thought that, uh, you know, he got he got a lot of his yards late, but they were also big yards. And after the needed. catch, too. Yeah, and after the catch. And I just want to say, I thought Spencer Evans had his best game as a kicker uh, this year for Purdue. Yep. He made all the extra points. He hit the field goals. Uh, yeah, I think he was instructed to do some pooch kicking today to help with the, yeah, uh, the coverage issues. And, and, and a couple, you know, a few times he was kicking into the wind, so he couldn't get it all the way to the end zone. But he got a, yeah, at least two touchbacks today uh, in that in that first quarter that, um, that that forced Nebraska to start at the 25. So I thought he had his best game uh, of the year. And you know, Jeff said that la- Jeff said that they were going to put some heat on the kickers this week, uh, and I, I they, they they did. So yeah, I, I thought that pooch that. Um, in the first half, or at the start of the second half, I thought that that, or early in the second half, I should say, that put Purdue in a bad spot. It kind of gave Nebraska a little bit of a spark. I think they ended up starting a drive at like their own 47. They go down and score, and they seem to really feed off of that. That got them going a little bit. I thought that was maybe a poor decision, but uh, I do understand what Purdue was trying to do there with the conditions. So, um, again, I, I think there's, there's still a lot of things whether both sides of the ball in coaching, I think you're probably going to see a lot of um, introspection over these next couple of weeks and trying to, to iron some things out, but also probably um, seeing, you know, assessing what they've done through five games and, and opening the playbook on, on both sides of the ball and finding, you know, new ways to attack some old problems. So Purdue has a two and three record, but more importantly, they're one and one in the Big Ten, and they they uh, they have the same record now as uh, as Northwestern. Because uh, Northwestern lost today, and you, you, know, you, you want to win as many of those Big Ten games as possible to inch your, inch your way up uh, into the division. You'd like to try to finish in the upper half. I don't know if that's completely possible for this team uh, this year, based on who they play. But you get a you get a division game, you get a Big Ten game, you win on the road. A lot of teams are not doing that nowadays, especially at Purdue's level, and more you can separate yourself from the teams that you feel like you're even with or just a tad better uh you know that i think that's an important element that they they were able to get to that i think good teams set goals within a goal i think obviously produced goal was probably to win x number games get to a bowl game whatever well now i think the goal within a goal becomes okay just within just within these big 10 west teams what what can you know let's let's win those let's let's just win the, a, a majority of those, and obviously, like you said, the one and one. If you can win at Minnesota, if you can win at Illinois, that gets you to three. If you can pull one away from Iowa, Wisconsin, you can end up having a winning record in the division. Just little things like that can be the building block for you know not just uh, what you want to do within a season, but can can add up over over a period of years as well. Anything else? I'm good. I think we're almost <laughs> back to the hotel. Yeah, we're making our way back to Omaha. All Have right, you passed well, the big uh, coffee mug yet? Uh, no, I don't believe so. Yeah, there's a big coffee mug on Highway 80. Uh, if you've never been out here, and it's just a big coffee mug for all I know. 
I, I don't know if it actually has coffee in it or not. I don't know, but I do know that in every other state, when you see the signs telling you where to go for football games, it says, exit now for football traffic. And here it says something like, please consider exit whatever. Well, as we were, as we were driving in, the sign said, please consider using exit whatever for your game day traffic. It's Nebraska so, nice. That's how they, they like it. Yes, they they are extremely nice people, ex- nice fans, uh, although they... <laughs> Maybe not to the refs. <laughs> not to the refs, because uh, they uh, they were booing as, as loud as they probably have been in a long, long, uh, long, long time. There was 89,000 salty people there in the second half of that game when things were going awry on those calls. Well, sellout number 364. Uh, it's quite impressive. They keep doing it. Uh, but anyway, I uh, appreciate you joining us uh, tonight on a special edition of Boilers After Dark, Boilers Extra podcast, a mobile version of Boilers Extra because we're actually moving while we're We actually are this. mobile. <laughs> we are mobile and we're moving at the same time. Anyway, Purdue wins 42-28. Uh, no post-game edition next week because we'd have nothing to talk about okay. after, the bi- after the bye week. We'll get together and talk some postseason baseball. We'll see what happens the next couple of days before we do that. We'll, we'll probably put together a more extended podcast uh, coming up next week. Uh, talk about the bye week, maybe where where Purdue stands in some areas as they as they get ready for the for the last two months of the year. Anyway, I'm Mike Carmen, Nathan Baird, uh, driving to Omaha, and we appreciate you joining us on this edition of the Borders Extra Podcast.